What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the All Might Podcast. This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and as almost always, because there are some filler episodes where it isn't the case, and I keep forgetting to say that, I am joined by... Adam from the TheBackPatioNetwork.com. I don't know why I said our website, but there you go, if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> and we are continuing our coverage of My Hero Academia Vigilantes as we eagerly await the beginning of the fifth season of the My Hero Academia proper anime, which is set to resume in March on the 27th. We are eagerly anticipating that particular date to roll around so we can get back to covering uh, Class 1A and their shenanigans, which I believe that they're going to start off, uh, like I think the next arc is uh, some Class 1A and Class 1B shenanigans, like uh, maybe they fight one another i don't know we're 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 going into it as green as possible because that's how this show works yeah i'm excited for it it's not too far away either and uh, something i had just thought about whenever that show starts up we'll be on that weird two-week schedule again because of the way that it releases and we watch two episodes so we'll be doing vigilantes in between i would assume so we'll be back almost week to week then at that point won't we we absolutely could do that. I, I think that my schedule could permit for us going back to uh, to weekly releases if we wanted to do that. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what the uh, what the audience thinks. Can you guys keep up with us? Because if you can, maybe we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we definitely. The Discord has been a buzz with uh, with all sorts of vigilantes uh, commotion recently as we are uh, discussing possibly it being a 100 episode slash chapter run. And so we're if that's true, if that holds to be the case, we're about halfway through. As this week we're covering episodes 55, 56, 57, and 58. Big shout out to all the new folks that we got in the Discord, too. We've got a couple new faces. It's been nice to interact with everybody. Yeah, we've got uh, a lot more uh, chatter traffic in there, which has been fun. A lot more interaction. And our Twitter account has grown by some followers as well. I would imagine that that's due in part to some of the signal boosts that we're getting from some friends of ours that we're, that we're making some other podcasts on Twitter um, most Specifically, we've begun some very interesting and exciting conversations with the folks from uh, both uh, Hero Notes podcast and the Go Beyond My Hero Academia podcast. Uh, we're I don't, I'm not going to let all the cats out of all the bags, um, but we're talking about doing something together in the not too distant future. That's got me pretty excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome for sure. Why don't you say we go ahead and uh, dive into this set of chapters, man? Sounds good to me. Episode 55 in the production manga, which is uh, volume eight. I don't believe we talked about the cover of this um, volume when we uh, jumped over into it at the very end of our last episode, but the eighth volume of My Hero Vigilantes features in Aizawa as we know and love him on the right as like, you know, the homeroom teacher in his hero costume that we're very familiar with. But on his left is standing a young, dapper, uh, short, uh, the slightly shorter haired version of Aizawa um, from his UA days. I think um, we kind of end in a very good spot at the end of this series of episodes. Um, at the end of 58, we're kind of transitioning into what I think is going to be some Aizawa history or background, which I am very excited about that. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover now. That is a pretty cool, pretty cool images there. I'm excited to see what young Aizawa is like. I can't imagine he's too different, you know? Who knows? Well, and you know, young Aizawa is going to mean that you're going to get young present Mike as well. So I know. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Plenty. I wonder, do you think we'll have a young midnight? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm, I'm excited to, to get there. Actually, now I do know because I just opened to a page where it is definitely midnight in a lot less clothing. Uh, <laughs> like I just randomly flipped back and I was like, nope, nope that, that's a lot of midnight right there. Um, but let's that's get awesome. into it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, we, we, we always do. We like to have yeah, fun we here. Do. 
Episode 55 in the production manga is called This is a Hero with two exclamation points. Oh, mine is number one hero. I kind of like mine better this time around. I do too, um, because yeah, I think where we left off, All Might did things that even you and I were surprised All Might could do. Uh, you know, saving I mean, not, fifty thousand people. Not just us, but yeah, the yeah, villain in this everybody. situation as well. Everyone. I mean, like it was insane what he did in the matter of like point two seconds. <laughs> and it continues in this um, with uh, the yes, villain whose whose name we determine or we're told uh, we learn in these episodes is we're going to refer to him as number six from now on. I don't even know how to feel about that because it makes it makes the movie more legitimate than I want it to be. Interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about that later when we come up to his name. But I did want to say this. Um, we, we were talking about this very briefly in the Discord. And I had mentioned today, actually, that it would have been really neat to have been able to read all the vigilantes and then transition to My Hero Academia proper. Oh, that would have been cool. In part because of these chapters right here, um, chapters 54 and 55, and just seeing how incredible All Might is. Because All Might does some really incredible things in My Hero Proper. That is not to be questioned or doubted. But I'd seen that stuff, and then I read this Sky Egg stuff, and I was like, holy crap, this guy is unbelievable. So could mm-hmm. you imagine have, go- have gone from this experience of All Might to early My Hero experience of All Might where he's brutalized. We don't know uh, at that point how that happened. He gives up his, like, all of that would have been like, holy crap, you know, uh, that would have given, I don't know, I think it would have been interesting to have read it in that order after seeing this stuff. What do you think? That is interesting. I guess it brings up a point, though, that I hadn't considered. We don't know whether or not All Might has already been injured in this Vigilantes series yet, right? Because it could happen after Vigilantes. It's true. I think it does. I think he's fine right now. See, I assume the opposite. I assumed that he's already injured because he is in Jinko Jean's All Might form occasionally. Oh, interesting. I, I figured that was a byproduct of him getting injured, that he can't maintain his like super muscular form all the time because he's been weakened. Otherwise, why? I mean, that seems like a... That seems like an arbitrary form to take other than he uses it to stay like undercover. You know what I mean? But he wouldn't have, I, I don't know. It just feels weird. I don't think he'd have that form if he hadn't been injured. So yeah. No, and there's a moment here sense. where he's being interviewed and then like he cuts it short and it's just like, uh, okay, bye-bye. And he's immediately in Jinko Jean's form. So I assumed it was because he was running out of time. And well, that's he's not just not smoking from his nostrils or anything. I think that's, that's that visual that kind of keys me in on he's about to pop into Jinko Jean's form. And That's we don't true. see that anywhere in here. That's fair. I hadn't considered that. I guess maybe in my mind, like just to explain that, I'm going to say it's because this is 10 years earlier. And so maybe he hasn't withered away as much yet. That's how I'm going to explain it away. Do we remember, and this is just lack of knowledge, because I'm sure we've talked about this before. How long before the events that are that are portrayed in my hero did the injury occur? Do we remember them putting it like a finite date? It was, I don't oh, think it was they eight did. years ago. I don't okay. think they did put any kind of like significant date on it anyways. It's just that it happened. If they're if they did, I don't remember. And it's, one, it's possible that that's one of those things that's in the manga and not in the show because the show may have considered it arbitrary. They may not have been considering that there's vigilantes out there that they may adapt eventually. You know what I mean? True, true. Well, 
we there's we could very easily just not be recalling relevant information to this discussion. So let's just let's That's jump fair. back into uh, covering <laughs> 55. So a news reporter is giving us the rundown of what we just witnessed um, kind of towards the end of episode 54. And All Might is being swarmed by reporters and he's trying to put the you know, he's he's not saying that he didn't do anything. But he's just thankful that nobody was hurt. He's trying to uh, kind of push some of the attention onto uh, some of these other pro heroes, which might, again, lend a little bit of credibility to your theory that he might already have that injury. It's almost like he's like, okay, now look over there. And then he runs off in another direction. Yeah, I I mean, it could be. I don't know. It just felt like I that was my first inclination was, oh, he must be running out of time. Uh, But it's funny because he like after he runs off, uh, he asked Sukoichi to get him some clothes because he's just in his hero outfit. He didn't bring anything else. So he doesn't want to get recognized as like, you know, Yagi or all might just like who is this skinny guy wearing all might's clothes and what happened to all might you know <laughs> yeah he does a great job of it because in a second they're going to be uh, uh some of the heroes are going to be worriedly looking for the skinny guy yes. because he got blown away by the nebraska smash i love it so he he ends up getting a captain celebrity jacket from like the uh is it the cheerleaders that's there or is that pop step and uh, one of the other singers it looks like it looks like pop. somebody else yeah so they're, they're giving out basically all of their supplies that they had for this big event for free and at first Mikado is kind of upset about it because she's like oh we are definitely in the red on this event but then she realizes that this isn't a time to be thinking about money at all it's really more of a time to be thinking about the situation that's happening and like the fact that everyone's survived no one died so they're ready to be the best that they can pitch in and, and be giving out the support that they're able to provide. I do love, too, when she's like, is everybody ready to pitch in? There's a chorus of yeses, but then the two X-Men are like, hell yeah. Yeah, They're super into pitching in. <laughs> they, they are always so passionate about everything they do. Yeah, I don't know why that small detail made me smile, but it totally did. Sukauchi is sitting with uh, Yagi now, uh, Jinko Jeans All Might. That's what we typically refer to him as. And he, he's got this Captain Celebrity jacket on. He's drinking some Cap- uh, Captain Celebrity branded tea. Uh, Sukauchi is actually a, he's apologizing for basically pulling the it's my sister card um and all might's basically explaining listen like hearing actually getting those calls because we know he has an agency and so these sometimes there's a third party involved a call comes in somebody receives it then they pass it on to all might's and he's deployed i guess would be the term yeah that Um, makes sense but he explains that you know it, it makes it personal, like when I'm getting that rescue request myself, he says, when I hear it and with my own ears, that does something different. And then he says this, he says, I accepted this power in order to give the people hope, the hope that their cries will surely reach all might or something like that. And Sukauchi picks up on this. He says, you accepted the power, huh? So this is definitely, we know later on in My Hero that Sukauchi knows uh, the secret bet- between Yagi All Might. Um, and this is the first hint that Toshinori Yagi is is going to end up telling Sukauchi um, because he says in the background, he says, you know, I'll have to explain this to you one of these days about the secret behind All Might, um, which I thought was a pretty cool uh, nod to their uh, that that little bit of knowledge that shared between them. I think there's also a nod here in, in a way to 
what has been revealed in the movie that there might be some sentience to the all for one power or the sorry the one for all power uh, that resided in All Might now resides in Midoriya because of the way he says there's a big psychological component to All Might's strength. It makes me wonder hmm. if those other people really are sentient when they hear someone crying for help. That's what nine other people or eight other people at this point saying, "Let's go help these people." It's not yeah. just it's not just Yagi. It's it's all of these other past heroes. So there is some sort of like psychological. They're hearing it. It's not just a mission. They they're on the receiving end of asking for help too. So I feel like there's this is a lot of information packed into like two sentences that could be if you really want to dig into it well and i really i think the thing that i appreciated most about this scene besides that the nod about the knowledge between these two is you see a lot of what we now consider to be like midoriya's character in all might here where he's like i have this power and i have to use it i have to use it to its fullest i have Mm -hmm. to use it to save people Um, and midoriya feels that same burden and we see that burden very very clearly depicted, I think, here um, in, in these handful of, uh, of discussion bubbles. But uh, we cut back to who I'm just going to, from this point on, we're going to refer to him as six or number six. We, we find out that that's what his name is. We've just been calling him the scar-faced villain or uh, the guy with the speed quirk. And th- those things are clumsy, uh, clumsy. So I'm glad that we finally got a name for this dude. Can't believe that we waited till we got a name. We should have just been naming him Speedy the whole time. Yeah, I mean, we we could have called them any number of like derogatory or derivative names. But That's fair. We were we we didn't because we were anxiously awaiting for them to divulge who what he what he is called. What do you go by, sir? Um, and they they finally get that to us, but not in this chapter. Um, but he's he's watching all this from a rooftop, and he is kind of chiding the heroes for standing around and thinking that everything is over because he still got uh, some things that he can do with even the remnants of those uh, splody boy nomus. Uh, so he makes them all coagulate together into one giant. It reminded me of something out of Akira. I mean, it was just gross, fleshy blob, and it now stands. It looks like it's massive, like Godzilla-sized um, as it's dwarfing some buildings, as it's uh, erupting or, or growing, I think would be a more appropriate term. And people are freaking out uh, because it looks like its belly is expanding. In fact, somebody in the crowd is like, oh, it's Koichi. He says, yeah, why Koichi. is its tummy inflating? <laughs> and it turns out that the number six is a pretty smart guy. He's like, I'm not going to make just one big guy because Eraser could, at this point, nullify him because it's just one. and Or All Might could just punch it into orbit because it's just one. So I'm going to make it into 200. So he calls this thing the Cluster Bomber, and it releases 200 of these tiny, like, Golbat-looking things um, that presumably have the same splody bit capacities as their progenitors. Yeah, and it's awesome because he even is like telling his villainous plan about how like, look, there's 200 of them. You can't take out all of them. Even if All Might takes out, let's say, half these guys, there's still 100. You've brought all of these like medical workers, there's civilians, there's police officers, there's all kinds of folks here, and they're all going to be deader than dead because yeah. he sings. I, I have no idea why. That. Yeah, <laughs> I was <laughs> waiting. It's, it's, I was waiting. It's like the last, the last little bit of every sentence is always him singing. I've noticed. It seems like it so, is pretty fun. And he's a very cheerful guy to himself. Uh, but the heroes realize what's going on. Like everyone in the crowd kind of figures out, like, oh crap, we are totally screwed. And then out of nowhere comes another, like back to back, All Might Deus Ex. He just is able to save the day with a Nebraska smash. Like one punch wraps up all of these gold bats as you described them into this like wind tunnel and basically flings them all away as they go boom with just one punch. And it leaves six standing there like, are you freaking serious? 
And all he knows to do is laugh. I mean, he can't help it. He's like, this is just too much. Like, this guy is too perfect. He's literally a god. I mean, it. he doesn't say that, but it goes back to what he said several chapters yeah. ago where he says nothing but a god could stop you. And at this point, I mean, what we've seen All Might do is just insane. There's no way I, this powers so much in this, you know? I love the panels um, where it looks like Fat Gum or, or pa- uh, possibly Conico is the one who says too many were screwed. And so it's a three-panel page. So that's the top one is you have uh, Fat Gum, Aizawa, Kaneko are standing on the right, and then you have Sukauchi and Yagi on the left. And Yagi looks flabbergasted, shocked, um, frustrated maybe a tad. But then in the, there's a panel below that where all of a sudden Yagi is just like a blur of lines going down or disappearing mm-hmm. as he exits that scene. And then the next like panel is two thirds of that page fully. And it's all my busting out of his captain celebrity sweater. I thought that the way that they drew that progression was very simple, but very awesome. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the way that they show him ripping out of that suit. It's such an awesome, this, like the end of this chapter is really freaking good. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we settle up with, like I said, the villains like kind of losing his mind. And I guess he still has an earpiece in because he hears mm-hmm. someone saying like, believe it, number six, he really is uh, that amazing. Like this man does exist. You think he couldn't exist, but he does. He's truly a superhuman and he is leagues ahead of everybody else. Uh, so, and you know, this makes me wonder if that is all for one talking to him on the other side, which I feel like we could almost assume that it might be, or at least a doctor, but if it is all for one, have they had their tumble yet? And if they have, that means that he's already risen from whatever death that all might put him through because we don't really know if all might killed him or just because if I feel like if he had escaped, that would have been huge news and everybody would have known about it. But it seems like they know he's back in the, the main series. So we know he didn't let's just lock him up the first time. I think that it's there is a there is a decent probability that the the voice in his ear is if it isn't all for one is very closely connected to all for one. Could be the doctor, maybe. Um, yeah, and it could. I, I thought it was really interesting too. Um, before we get to uh, finding that Knuckle Duster has got six in his sights from uh, a nearby rooftop, is the the person in Six's ear is saying the pinnacle of what we hope to achieve um, when he's talking about All Might. I mean that 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 whatever whatever it is that they're doing on these uh, these no moves and these enhanced villains and all this stuff through the villain factory. All Might is is some sort of benchmark for them, which I thought was really interesting. But see, it's not like it's All Might's personality. I hate the way that that was written, because when I read that, I was thinking, like, these people aren't trying to create a symbol of peace or a symbol of hope. They're trying to create the opposite of that, just with the same amount of power. Yes. Yeah, I don't think it's a personality thing, because when Six is like, well, I never wanted to be All Might... The voice in his ear is just like, no, you, you don't have to do that. You just continue to act as you see fit. I, they're right. not going for that persona. They're looking for something that could be a a, a powerful foil or at least a a, a worthy opponent uh, to All Might. That makes that's sense. What, that's how I read that. Yeah. Can we talk really briefly, too, about the Nebraska Smash? We kind of glanced over that. Is Is that like... Is that a really poorly named Smash? Because it's I don't a think tornado? it's a Smash. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a Smash to me. It, I mean, because in my head, it seems kind of insensitive a little bit. Well, <laughs> okay. it's just like tornadoes hit that state all the time, all the right? Time. Isn't it in Tornado Alley over there? I think it is. Yeah. So that's probably why they didn't name it like Nebraska Tornado or something. 
Yeah, Nebraska smash. I was just like, uh, that feels a little insensitive, maybe to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely see I mean, how. I mean, how it, would. it was effective. Don't get me wrong, but the naming convention, I was like, eh, I hadn't dang, even considered that. that as much as I just didn't like the fact that it was named Smash because he's not really punching. He's like, you know, like rotating his arm. It's not really like he's smashing something. I don't know how you get your wrist to rotate that quickly either. Like that, your wrist is not like a ball and pinion. Quite like this makes it seem like. Well, and I don't like the way that I'm looking at this being drawn anyways, like, or not being drawn, but the way it is drawn to me, it seems like he'd be rotating his shoulder almost. Or at his or elbow. Or at his at elbow. The least, yeah, like it'd the be furthest a, down his arm. Right, right. Because it's definitely not just his wrist. Yeah, strange. Anyway, it's very well drawn. It's a two-page spread. It looks it looks awesome, and it is very effective. Um, but we catch up with Six, who is still flabbergasted watching uh, from a distance, a respectable distance with some binoculars, and we end this episode with uh, finding out that Knuckle Duster has got him in the sights of a sniper rifle. Uh, and he says, since the villain factory went boom too, maybe I ought to put... Uh, this is Six. He's saying, maybe I ought to leave Tokyo and put this in my rear view lay low for a little while and uh, knuckle duster just says you'd like that but not on my watch and that's the very end is we he presumably begins to pull the trigger which is exactly what we lean into when we move to episode 56 which is called i'm no hero oh mine's just named a clock o'clock yep i mean it's not it's not unfitting um but we we catch up with we get a little breakdown of how it is that knuckle duster came to be on the rooftop that he is he basically assumed that and and rightly so of course that uh an event that had 50,000 people at it that was so close to this villain factory was probably going to draw the attention of, of the bad guys. So he goes to put a bullet in Six's head, but, and I, I, I think this is just purely by coincidence, a bird flies in front of his sights and takes his shot off course. So instead of shooting him in the head, he ends up shooting him in the shoulder. It seemed like a really weird timing thing. I thought that maybe there was some sort of control or intentional interference, but it's never portrayed as such. It's just like, oh no, a bird at the worst possible moment. And then the bird just gets decimated by a <laughs> clock or by number six when he jumps up on the rooftop to face down Knuckle Duster. He just blows through that raven that literally <laughs> saved his life, blows through it like nothing, just slams into it. It's it's now bloody bits and, and parts of wings fluttering to the ground. I was like... Dude, you literally owe that thing your life. Yeah, no, I was having the same thoughts because when he in these panels, they've got this awesome second here, or it's just one panel where uh, Six sees where Knuckle Duster is and like basically parkours his way across the city right. to get up onto top of this building. And in the midst of that is when he runs over this bird and just decimates it. And I was like, what the hell? That seems so out of nowhere. How did he follow like? That exact bird's path. There has to be a reason, but I can't find anything like unless for somehow they knew Knuckle Duster was there and sent like a robot bird or something, or this is some quirk. I don't know. It could be a government spy. That's what it is. Birds aren't real. It was weird and unexplained. I, I think that it was meant to be, oh, no, what a strange coincidence. And then but then to add on top of that, which, you know, we're talking about deus ex machinas. The bird is one kind of. Yes, absolutely. And then Six just obliterates it like he doesn't even say thank you. In fact, the two panels in the middle of the page where he actually blows it up looks like he intentionally jumps into this bird. Mm -hmm. Like he's just like, I see you, bird. Like he and then sees just it. Blows yeah. through him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then like, he sings. Dang, man. He's like, hello he's, there. Yeah, yeah. He's singing again. And uh, uh, Knuckle Dusters 
you know, he begins monologuing a little bit, uh, but the two of them have a lot of dialogue in this particular uh, episode. He's like, well, you're a quick one. And I'm like, well, no doubt, man, you should recognize all this. And he does like he's playing a little coy. I think Knuckle Duster is at this point playing a little dumb. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, Knuckle Duster is definitely playing coy here. Uh, and we we pick up right here with the villain six basically saying that he's been dying to meet knuckle duster and calling him master which i feel like you called that like what 15 episodes ago or so a while ago i had i had my suspicions i think i was a little wrong i mean i called it that o'clock was knuckle duster but i think i also had speculated just by the similarities of six's hair with the hair of that kid in that dream that was very ambiguous um that possibly he had actually trained under O'Clock. I no longer think that that's the case based on I don't what think we so learned either. shortly. Yeah. So I was kind of right a little. Yeah. No, you were, you were pretty close, though. Uh, Knuckle Duster is like, oh, yeah, well, you've been in my sights for, you know, a while. And, and uh, he, he's like, well, who are you? And this guy kind of goes into a bit of what he is. It's really weird, though. The, like, these whole sequences just threw me off. They were not at all what I was expecting. Uh, he basically says that he's an experiment and that his name is Six, and we get this panel of him being, like, some little critter. I mean, he looks like a little blob of, like, cells with Six, like, tattooed on his shoulder here. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. Not what I was expecting for Six. Uh, but they ended up giving him O'Clock's powers, and so he now has them. And so he's saying that there's really no other name for him other than O'Clock, and who, that is who he hopes to become. So it's weird. Yeah, I thought that the first time that we see this little six-creature version of him, it looks kind of like like a naked mole rat or some such, um, that, he, that that was just like a visual of how he kind of perceived himself before he got the quirk. Is that what like you it think? was almost okay. a, like a visual metaphor, but later on they show it again. And yeah. It's no longer metaphoric uh, or metaphorical. It's it's him as this same little naked mole rat looking thing giving himself the scar. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess they're taking that quite literally, which raises a whole bunch of questions. And some of the detectives end up asking those a little bit later on, like, is this guy even human? Um, because that is that is a very valid question given what we see of what he used to look like and somehow isn't doesn't look like that anymore so is there's a he's a enigmatic very strange character right now yeah this opens up the door to like so many questions because not only you know we find out that his name was six which we've now seen the movie so we know there's a nine which means there's five others and at least two or three in between six and nine so we we've got a whole group of experimental beings that could at one point in time have been little clay monsters or something that have multitudes of quirks because we find out over this fight that he's got like probably what at least five quirks yeah that was my next that was my question it was like nine in the movie definitely seemed to be named because of his capacity it seemed um six started off like very young he was six and i was like is he the sixth experiment or does he is he capable of holding on to six quirks it's really hard to tell i don't know that it's as clear as maybe the writers had intended it to be because one of the things that could possibly have passed as a quirk of his, he considers like, he calls it like a parasitic thing. Like he, but he allows some of the explodey guys genetics to hitch a ride on mm -hmm. him somehow. So does that count as one of his six, if he's named after the number that he can hold, or is he again, is he the, the sixth guinea pig slash naked mole rat that the uh, villain factory, I was wanting to call him League of Villains, but the villain factory has cranked out. I don't know. Um, I, ha I hadn't fallen out firmly anywhere on that. But uh, 
you're you're thinking in the same areas that I am. For sure, for sure. Well, and it's the way that they've drawn this little creature makes me almost wonder if they're like because we know he grows up to look more human. So does he mold himself in some sort of way? Is that his quirk that he was some sort of weird little clay creature thing? He he reminds me the way that they've drawn this. It reminds me of the puppets from that movie. I think it was named Eight. Yeah, I or Nine. Maybe it was yeah, Nine. It was yeah. a number. Yeah, it was I don't a number. They kind of look like a. Uh, uh, Oh, uh, Sackboy from the PlayStation, yeah, the yeah. PlayStation games. Um, yep, from Little Big Planet. Mm-hmm, Little Big Planet. Yep. So I don't know. This is just this is weird to me, and like I said, not at all what I was expecting. I kind of figured this character would have been some guy that all for one loaded up with an extra power, and he just had like either that or he had no quirk to begin with, and so that was how they brought him on. But the fact that he's a clone or bioengineered is just more than I expected. I didn't expect him to be one of the Nomus, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's weird, but I don't dislike it. No, I like, don't dislike even, it either. Even though I think that there are places where it's just like, ah, I don't know that this is really clear. At least not right now. We still got a lot of vigilantes ahead of us. So True. maybe some of this stuff gets clarified in a way that we're like, oh, we were dummies. How did we not realize, you know, whatever. That that happens a lot to us. So that'd just be par for the course. And it happens like within episodes. So I'm just going to stop talking about this <laughs> character. Uh, but it is right. it is interesting because D- Knuckle Duster does ask him like, that's weird that you want to become O'Clock. Most punks out there would say they want to be All Might, but not you. And then we go into this whole feel about how he doesn't want to be all might because all might's too cool pretty much like i who doesn't want to be all might come on yeah he says that he feels like all might is too limited and he says something really interesting here he says he swoops in he all might swoops in to beat up villains and save the day when disaster strikes but all of that's just playing cleanup after the troubles already arrived so he says it's it's no different than a plumber that comes to fix your busted pipes one call and he's on his way. And then he goes on to say that like humanity's just lucky that he doesn't just run around acting out of self-interest because the day he turns around and starts using that might for himself, the world is doomed, which is absolutely true. Oh yeah, it's absolutely true. And I think that that's even knuckle duster responding saying true in the panel. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, is he's also got a really limited scope of all might. He only understands all might from one perspective and that's his power. He doesn't understand him from any other, other way. Like he can't, he can't understand or has any perception into why all might does the things he does. He just sees that raw power and sees how he could use it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he has a tainted idea of what all might is. Well, I think too, that that is very consistent with his organization's approach to whatever it is that their pursuits are right now. Like they are pursuing power. That's just like nine was in the pursuit of power. Um, So there you have like two, almost two groups of villains, like major villains in the, my hero stuff that we've covered. You've got the guys who are just like Machiavellian Darwinian. We're just going to get all the power and then just, it's going to be the strongest survives. But then you have some of the more subtle guys who are wanting to not destroy necessarily, not not to have power for power's sake, but to have power to 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 affect great change, like dismantling superhero society or whatever. Sure. Um, so it's I mean, he's definitely of the the school that's just like, I'm just going to get all the stuff and beat up everybody. But he also says at the same time that he feels like All Might has too much power. Um, so I wonder wh- where he thinks that that balance lies, because uh, his argument becomes, you know, He's about doing what he wants. He six being who wants to do what he wants. He doesn't want he's not disgusted by the thought of helping people. He just says, that's not what I want to do. He says, that's not my style. I just want to do what I want. And in order to do that, I have to be I have to have a certain measure of power. Yeah, he's definitely chaotic neutral. That's for sure. Or maybe more chaotic evil. He's done some pretty bad things. Yeah. 
But he's just like, that's why I want to be o'clock because then I could, I could do what I want. I don't need the power to smash up a building. I'll just be faster. Um, and he says that that's o'clock. That's a real hero. Knuckle Duster's just like, that's not at all the point. Like that's not <laughs> what a hero is at all. Um, and, and this is where kind of they, they get into this discussion where Six is saying, I'm your biggest fan. I know everything about you. I watched it when your quirk was stolen. We get this brief panel. It looks like it's from a television where uh, O'Clock being Knuckle Duster's past self is like clutching his face where we know he has to scar, presumably during a televised or at least a, a recorded segment of the moment where he loses his quirk or his quirk is stolen and Man. Six inflicts that scar upon himself. I but just Knuckle had a Duster's thought. I don't mean to interrupt you, but what if this is the fight that Midoriya is always watching, you know, where, or maybe not the same fight, but what if this is the fight that All Might fought All for One in? You know, he could have been, O'Clock could have been the first, like, major hero down in that fight, and then the rest of it wasn't televised. It's certainly true. I mean, it's possible. I I think there's, there's room for that. But again, that begs that timeline of when did it this does. fight happen? That gets us back to the the discussion we had earlier. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. But he Six just wants to be acknowledged as his successor, and uh, Knuckle Duster's like, but I already have a protege. And Six is like, yeah, but I mean, I know that you've got that Koichi guy, but he doesn't he doesn't respect you. He doesn't think of you like like I do. He's way more into All Might. And then this is what Knuckle Duster says. Like I said, O'Clock's not a hero. And given O'Clock's actual quirk to some nut running around with a, uh, around impersonating him, that just makes you a villain. And that, that this is where the fight begins to escalate because Six is just like, well, okay, I'm not going to get your permission, so I'm just going to have to kill you and assume your identity, basically. So he rushes Knuckle Duster, who is at the, at the time of the initial rush is holding a rifle. Yeah, and he starts to rush at him, and uh, he even asks Knuckle Duster, like, what's the plan? Are you just going to shoot me with that rifle? That already failed once. You know, I, I really don't think that that's going to work. Just go ahead and try me. And uh, he does the singing, like, okay. Uh, he sings a bunch in these panels. Um, right. And he says, see, missed again. I wasn't lying. I really do respect you, the former O'Clock. But without your quirk, you're just some schmuck. And once I'm accelerating, you can't stop me. Sayonara, master. And then he like pauses and it's like he's noticed something in in this last panel on this page. And then we pick up with a speaker that's playing this message over and over and over. And it says this message over o'clock. Can you hear this message over o'clock? I, and or overclock, sorry, not over a clock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a recorded message and it's being played at incredibly high speeds. And it says you might have the quirk of the high speed hero o'clock, but you still haven't completely grasped its to- true nature. Uh, and it goes into explaining that like the brain is actually speeding up everything that's happening. So it looks like everything is really slow around you, but it's just that your perception is at a much faster rate, basically. However, slowing down to hear something like that and concentrate on it causes your ability to speed up basically to break, especially if you're in a high tense emotional moment where you're maybe not thinking quite clearly anyways, uh, because it's speeding it up too much and that is the quirk's limitation so we kind of finally figure out this quirk's limitation i mean we knew that there was some sort of like time limit on it it seemed like but this is more what it is it's that focus and it's wearing the brain out tiring it out and when he does that he does stop and it's so great because knuckle duster's just like uh just like i said huh that brain drain (laughs) (laughs) yeah it has a name for it apparently the the audio had been playing at 300 times normal speed and that drains that that brain's 
increased capacity to perceive. And Knuckle Duster, when he realizes that um, his acceleration is on that cooldown, it's just like, listen, you're not going to get a breather. And he pulls out a detonator and blows up the uh, the roof or the ceiling of the uh, the building that they're standing on. So it begins to collapse, which leads us into episode 57 called Explosive Man. Mine's named Versus. Versus. I actually like Versus better because Explosive Man just sounds super cheesy to me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is kind of cheesy. I mean, <laughs> he is doing exactly that, though. I mean, we pick up right where we left off, which is like a visual of the roof exploding and the two characters falling into the, the floor right below it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So if this ever gets translated into an anime, I don't know how much of what is about to follow will actually make it into the show. Because it is brutal. Knuckle Duster is... So he he's very obviously aware and uh, uh, very intimately acquainted with the, uh, the overclock quirk. And so he blows up this roof to put Six in midair because he can't maneuver in midair. And he's he's... Of course, he's pontificating. He's explaining all this like a good villain. Um, so he's just like, you know, I took out all these floors because that makes your acceleration quirk worthless. I'm going to shoot you in the legs because <laughs> then you can't land. And then when he does land, he he's realize, he starts realizing some of these other quirks that or some of these other modifications at the very minimum uh, that Six has. So because he, he doesn't react to being shot. So he's just like, oh, so you've got something that you know, makes it so you're resistant to pain. That's fine. I'll just blast apart all of your limbs. So then he just starts unloading his guns into the the shoulders and knees of six. So there's this crumpled body that has just been blasted in all of his limbs lying in this rubble. Um, and I was like, there, there, there's no way they show this in the anime, right? Um, it doesn't feel like they could, at least well, not in keeping with like the, the level of severity or, or, like gore, I guess, for lack of a better term, they've typically shown in My Hero proper. They would just move the the time slot from like Toonami to Adult Swim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or they do it. They could. They can maybe get away with it in silhouette. I don't know how they do it. It just. It's very. And this is. We've said this more than once while we're reading Vigilantes. There are definitely times where it is darker and a lot more violent than My Hero proper because it. I mean, in part because it doesn't take place inside of a school with kids. I right. Mean, I definitely feel like if they did Vigilantes, it would not. It would be a more mature rating than My Hero, for sure. Yeah. It would have to be. So, O'Clock starts realizing some other things. Um, and Six is realizing some things of his own. Um, he did, he's no longer shooting him in the head. Uh, the knuckle dusters were like, well, now that I've got you in my cage, I'm going to try to get some information out of you. So, yeah, now it's, now it's an interrogation. But then... Knuckle Duster starts realizing that the gunshots that he gave to Six earlier are they're they're starting to heal up. Um, before he does this, I'm I'm one page ahead of myself. All of a sudden, Six is like, I finally had a chance to catch my breath, and he can't even finish that sentence before Knuckle Duster is just literally stomping on his face. And the <laughs> yes. panel that they show that is so graphic. Like they don't. It's not like graphic in the sense that they show too much but you can only tell that he's kicking him in the face because you can see the collar of his shirt like the impact is so hard on his face does that make sense it does make yeah i mean the picture itself is insane because you can see like a crumpled in face and the only thing there is the heel of a boot and knuckle duster explains that he's pretty much going to stomp his face in because it's going to keep that quirk from activating because he the brain is going to be so traumatized by what's happening that he's right. It's just not going to be able to, to activate that quirk at all. Uh, it's crazy. The, these panels are really brutal. 
Yeah, they are. Uh, th- this chapter would have a really tough transition to the anime, I think, for just for graphic uh, depictions of violence, I think. It would also be all of three minutes in an anime. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, I don't know. Anime, sometimes they can drag some things out. That's um, true, yeah. <laughs> my hero is not an exception to that. In, no, at times. it's not. But this is, this is where Knuckle Duster realizes that his previ- the gunshot wounds have started to heal. So he's like, oh, you got healing powers. Well, that's not good. It's a pain in the ass is what he says. He says, you're a real pain in the ass, but I'm just going to tie you up and then it won't matter. But then it looks like something begins to crawl out of Six's sleeve and kind of up towards his wrists that uh, Knuckle Duster now has bound behind his back. And it turns out that uh, he, and this is where he says, I, I let some bomber cells hitch a ride as parasites. I have no idea how that works. <laughs> like, it's it's on his body. Is it in his body? Because he has control over it. Is it a part of him on a genetic level? I don't know. This has got to be a quirk. This has to be a quirk. There's no way. Because the That's level not how he explains it, though. No, but the level of control he has over this. I mean, at one moment the cells aren't activated; they don't appear to be anywhere we can see, and then all of a sudden he's able to control his arms in this fashion. And throughout the rest of this issue, he has arms like that. Yeah. It just seems weird that he's able to control it to the level that he is. But and not... he's able to control him. Wasn't didn't he need like a little iPhone app basically to do most of the manipulating of the other Nomu? I think so. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be using that on himself here anyway. He may not need to. Uh, those I because kind of assume of, yeah. that there may be some sort of like uh, integration with the Nomu that turns them on or off using that iPad kind of thing. Well, he turns one of his arms into the same splody monster Nomu bit um, and sets off this explosion, blowing off his own arm, blowing Knuckle Duster back. And again, graphic depiction here. He's definitely missing an arm from like just below the shoulder down dripping blood everywhere and he's, he's laughing yeah yeah and that next panel he's he's de- i mean knuckle duster of course was just stomping on his face so um i would be shocked if he still had all of his teeth but he's actually given knuckle duster a lot of kudos here he's like listen you did so much better even than maybe all might would have you're the greatest of all time he's definitely being a little bit of a fanboy here but then he says but i'm he- i'm here to be better um which is very it goes from being flattering to being extremely intimidating um and and aggressive you know he says to be o'clock who su- to to be the o'clock who surpassed the original o'clock there can only be one after all so we tuned into an episode of highlander <laughs> that's awesome i hadn't thought of that he's even got the ponytail and everything yep knuckle duster's just like well that's a fun fantasy kid but you're barely standing after eating your own blast all i gotta do is pound away till you don't feel like standing anymore and i could see like that captain america moment of of knuckle duster like slamming his fist into six's face and just going i can do this all day it's definitely there Uh, but he tells him you're gonna meet your end here having made exactly nothing of yourself and it's great because uh <laughs> oh, the new o'clock or six is just like uh, you're convinced i'm just some copycat granted you know everything there is to know more than i do for sure about your old quirk overclock but you don't know squat about me and then he starts doing more quirk stuff i mean he's like able to use this overclock ability to enhance his cells and make them grow back faster so i wasn't really sure if he has a healing quirk or if he's using his quirk to like animate his cells somehow to quicken them to heal on their own so i wasn't sure if they were completely two separate ones and he was kind of bluffing here or not uh i don't know i I want to before i comment on that um i 
have to say that I loved the panels that you just read. Yeah. It is so well written. The the part where he's explaining, well, you know overclock. You know your quirk because it, it was your quirk, but you don't know anything about me. I love the way that he said that because number one, it's it's true. I mean, he doesn't know who this six is character-wise, personality-wise, what limits he may or may not set on himself when it comes to the application of overclock. But he also is saying you you're you kind of think that this overclock that I have is all that I have and that it and that I can only do with it the things that you could do with it. Um, and then he begins doing that stuff that you were talking about, like using it as a uh, an accelerated um, healing ability. And I couldn't tell upon reading this on first blush if he was just applying the same quirk overclock in a new way or if it was a combination of two quirks like. Uh, a healing quirk plus overclock. That's what I think feels better to me. Um, but I also think it would be really neat for overclock to be like, huh, I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, and I think that's, o'clock to think that that's kind of what his face is in that next panel. He says accelerated cell growth, like with question mark and he's wiping blood off his face. Like shit. Why didn't I ever think of that? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that might've come in handy at yeah. times. I think that's definitely, it could have been what was going on. I, I still feel like he's got so many quirks mixed up in him that it may be assisted with another one, but I don't know. It's pretty neat. He, he turns both of his arms into those bomb things and they have mouths, which is super disconcerting. Yeah. It's and unexplained. I think it's just there to be creepy. And it reminds me there's actually an anime called Parasite um, mm-hmm. that it reminds me a little bit of the visuals in that. But uh, he's like, well, you know, you you called this place a, a birdcage or a tomb earlier, right? Well, all I got to do is basically punch the walls and beat feet out of here and just leave you to die in the rubble. Uh, o'clock or overclock or jeez, uh, I'm getting it all all twisted. Knuckle I Duster. It, it, they're getting uh, confusing. It's my fault. <laughs> Knuckle Duster rushes in. Uh, because he ain't going down without a fight, at least. Uh, and he almost manages to land. He, he managed not quite a punch. It's like a glancing blow, um, but it's more than six expe- expected. He commends him again for being who he's always been. There's such resolve. He says, you're seriously the coolest. He continues to uh, shower compliments upon him. And then we get this amazing two-page spread. Oh, it's so cool. Where the two of them are basically about to land haymakers, one one upon the jaw of the other. Um, and there's a giant boom, but it takes place kind of off panel um, because we zip. I mean, it's a hard cut away from that two page. Awesome. Like uh, looks like Rock'em Sop'em uh, robot panel to back to Koichi and the, the people on the ground at the devastation of the Tokyo um, Sky Egg. Yeah. Koichi's like, huh. Anyone else hear that? Like a like a big boom way over there. And Fatgum's like more explosions, you think, as he's stuffing his face. And uh, Aizawa pretty, like, I felt like Aizawa quickly explains this with just like, oh, there's probably just some unexploded mini bombers that probably escaped, you know, and then Sukauchi is like, all right, go check on that somebody. Like, I don't know. I felt like they dismissed this so easily. Uh, But then it's great because, uh, oh, the crab lady, what's her face? Kaneko? Kaneko shows up and she's like, Fatyan, big trouble, no sign of that skinny dude. And he's like, wait, what? And there's this flashback of All Might doing the Nebraska smash and then the wind throwing away skinny All Might or Jinko Jeans All Might, like to get rid of All Might in the scenario, I guess. It's awesome. And so he's totally tricked all these heroes into thinking that there's like this skinny dude that's been blown away by his Nebraska blast. 
it's hilarious. And basically this chapter ends with uh, Toshinori Yagi slash Jinko Jeans All Might peeking out from behind some more rubble or some stacks of boxes and asking Sukauchi if he's got anything else for him to wear because uh, previously he was handed a Captain Celebrity jacket, but he buffed his way out of that thing. So now he's back to being in his uh, sagging, hanging off of his um, skinny um, body All Might costume and nothing else. And he's trying to keep things under wraps. And that very jarringly ends episode 57 and brings us into episode 58, which has almost no connections to any of that stuff. It I was know. a strange chapter, um, timing-wise. I know, it is weird, and I, I kind of get the feeling we're not going to get any answers from anything that happened between Knuckle Duster and Six anytime soon. Yeah, because uh, as I was explaining to Adam right before we started recording, it looks like episode 59 is going to take us into some, like, background on Aizawa when he was younger like we're definitely not returning to this scene anytime like it definitely it doesn't look like it that's happening in this month in the, the rest of this manga volume anyway um but yeah man what an interesting place to choose to stop you know I don't hate it I think that it's, it's I think it's very compelling you know um that that they leave us in this lurch because it's it's not something that we're going to easily forget we're going to be eager to kind of pick up and see, we get a tiny fraction of a bit of a scene at the end of 58 where a detective is on the scene and they find a bunch of different DNA samples, but we get no real resolution from that. I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited to see what happened between the two of those. Uh, that, that was a crazy fight, man. That was nuts. Episode 58 is called International Flight Home. Mine's just named Heading Home. I simplified. like that better. International Flight Home is a mouthful and it's unnecessary. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, mine also has a subtitle, A Hero's Send-Off. Oh, I got nothing like that. So, um, But we do get, uh, we're, we're finally seeing Captain of the Celebrity get the send-off um, that was supposed to precede the the uh, Tokyo Sky Egg celebration anyway. So they are uh, basically getting ready to take him to the airport to get him sent off. Um, but we do get a couple of uh, short scenes before we get to the actual airport scenes. Yeah, it starts out like showing the hospital that he's recovering in and all these folks are outside like cheering him on. They've got banners that say, go CNC, go, uh, you know, and, and inside of the hospital, he's not like it's he's resting. I mean, he's got basically everybody that was there supporting him in his hospital room. So he's hanging out with like 15 other people and uh it's crazy because it seems like the phone has just been ringing off the hook according to uh Mikado about all these people wanting basically sound bites uh of commentary from Captain Celebrity on what was happening and what he was doing and they they, they want to get all of the information they can on him. Best Genius was the one that actually replied on site and pretty much said that like Captain Celebrity was the number two hero outside of All Might. Like yeah, All Might came in and saved the day, but if it hadn't been for Captain Celebrity, there would have been nothing for All Might to have saved it to begin with. Captain Celebrity actually apologizes to Koichi for seeming to have taken up a bunch of the limelight that Koichi should have deservedly been sharing um for the part that he played in the defense of the sky egg as well but koichi was just satisfied to have gotten his all might signature on an all might hoodie um and which everybody gives him a bunch of crap for he's like oh that is is you really came out ahead in the end is is uh is what they're basically saying because he says i came out ahead and they're like your your life is pretty worthless then um you know and i feel but, like they uh, they really missed a beat here too because like he's super stoked about the all might signing and everything and it's a perfect book into when captain celebrity ruined his jacket in the very beginning of captain celebrity days but i feel like whenever captain celebrity does finally get on that airplane koichi should have asked him to sign one of his jackets for sure. <laughs> 
That would have been, been that would have been awesome. That would have been the scene I wanted to end their friendship, you know? Yeah, I do like Koichi's explanation, though. I mean, he's very humble. Uh, he says, I'm a nobody who tried fighting villains. That achievement would get me thrown in jail if they found out, because obviously he's a vigilante. He's not a registered pro hero like Captain Celebrity is. And Mikado actually says, actually, the police gave me a talking to on that particular point, which raises some eyebrows. But it really was just um, Sukauchi in the next scene basically asking Mikado about... Uh, the Naruhata Vigilante, the crawler. He gets his name right in everything. Um, yeah, that's incredible, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's like, listen, you know, we know that he helped Captain Celebrity save a lot of lives. He deserves recognition, but you you need to understand that this is actionable vigilanteism, basically. He's like, we're, we're giving him a pass this time, but he's not going to be able to get away with this forever. And, and I do like there's a panel at the top of one of these pages where he says, uh, you know, since he did more good than bad, we we put in a request to the other heroes and witnesses to keep quiet about the kid in the All Might hoodie. And the panel is a picture of Captain Celebrity holding up the sky egg. And there's Koichi, who's got his feet planted on the underside of it. But it looks like he's been redacted, like with a Sharpie. Yeah, it's great. That, that, made me, that made me laugh. Just the way that it was visually portrayed was really funny. And it's not even done really well. It's kind of like when the uh, there are those uh, news stations that will like blur someone's face but then put their name yeah. in the the article you know <laughs> yeah it just, it's, he's just redacted yeah it, it was really funny yep but he he goes so far as to just say like you know just be mindful of the fact that we can't have you run around advertising him as a hero and uh, she jokingly says oh that's a great idea but he says listen like even if he's a natural do-gooder because mikado explains that he's not in it for the recognition um, and then he says, personally, I'm, and she explains to Koichi that he says that he's actually grateful for that kid. So he gets a, a pat on the back and some recognition from uh, Sukauchi himself. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a sweet moment there, but it's almost immediately dashed because the moment that like they're kind of finishing this conversation, <laughs> there's this woman that runs in and there's these air bubbles that are obviously interrupting the moment between Koichi and Mikado and the air bubbles just say, hey, out of the way, move aside. I'm in a hurry here. Let me through. And it's Captain Celebrity's wife and their new baby. And she's like, Chris. And he just says, oh, honey, you know, like he's so excited like to see her. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He thinks she's excited to, to see him and give him a big old hug. So he's got his arms wide open and she just flies in like a missile and headbutts, headbutts him, him in the, in the face. face. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. And then she starts windmailing him, like absolutely just wailing on him. And uh, he's going on and on about like, please, honey, I've got enough broke bones. Please don't. And the, the Koichi and some of the other folks are like, yikes, take it easy on him. Uh, and at first, in my mind, I thought she was upset because he showed that picture of her. Like, I figured that's what she was going to get on to him for. Like, you, because she says, you moron. And he says, I wanted to show off my good side for you. And then she kind of goes into, like, you shouldn't have done that. Like, what if that stun had gotten you killed? What then? But like I said, initially, I thought she was just pissed because yeah. of the photo she showed. <laughs> Nah, she just wants him to be a dad. This is very much a, like, Chi-Chi upset with Goku Absolutely. in the hospital situation. Totally. But she does thank Koichi for saving, quote, my darling Chris, um, which I thought him, he continues to get a little bit more recognition and, and praise, um, even from Captain Celebrity's wife, which he, and he says, it's kind of nice getting praised for once. And everybody takes immediate issue with that, because Captain Celebrity's like, I, I thanked you, and uh, Mikado and... Uh, and pop step are just like we we literally just got through telling you that you you were good that we gave you praise <laughs> yeah yep. but he's he's acting like it's the first that of of any of uh, any praise that he's ever received but we do fast forward a little bit um, to Captain Celebrity getting to board a plane and the whole uh, Naru 
how to crew uh, all the performers and all that stuff in their Captain Celebrity sweatshirts, much to the chagrin of some are patiently awaiting for him to uh, walk to his terminal and get on a plane. They've got a big banner out there for him that says, thank you, Captain Celebrity, as, as he's on his way out. Um, and he's very flattered by all this. And there's a crowd of uh, reporters there that begin asking him questions. Oh, this is great, too, because they're like, you're out of the hospital and headed home. How does it feel? Can we get a comment on the work you've done in Japan? And uh, he says, you know, I wasn't here long, but I'm glad I came. It felt like a real turning point. Uh, it's like I've been reborn better than ever. He actually ends up saying, I'm thankful to all those folks that helped me while I was here, but I owe a ton to two of them in particular. And the reporters yep. are, of course, really hung up on this. And he says, first, my manager, Mikado, she's nothing short of a goddess in my eyes. And all of the reporters' eyes, obviously, at this point are bugging out because they're taking this the wrong way. They're like, well, what is your relationship like between the two of you? And that's a pretty shocking confession. And he looks over to his wife like, honey, please help me explain. And she just goes, you're on your own, lover boy. And that's when Mikado shows up and handles the situation as she does and explains away, you know, like, hey, this was always professional. We were just here to work on his, him, basically being him. Um, and she does her job. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I felt pretty bad for Captain Celebrity in this scene because he kind of came to Japan from America to escape this very thing. Absolutely, like, yeah. And, and he actually, like, was very human in a few a few episodes or chapters back where he was explaining this. And remember you and I talked about him very much coming across as a victim instead of as the perpetrator. And here we see that exact thing where he's saying something that is relatively harmless and it immediately gets twisted into the worst context possible that he's sleeping around with Mikado. And it strikes me as odd that his wife doesn't back him up at all, like totally leaves him on his own, even though she knows that Mikado's on the up and up um, because she's, had all these prolonged conversations with Mikado, we learn um, a little bit later on. So I thought that that was strange that she just like doesn't stand up for him and m leaves him to these these wolves. Um, but Mikado comes in. She just wants him to learn his lesson. I mean, she doesn't want him to have left Japan and not realized anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the lesson is be more careful with your words. I, I guess, know, yeah, because I, di I didn't really feel like that was all that bad, what he said, to be honest with you. But but that doesn't. Yeah, but it, I mean, the le this lesson doesn't make any sense, given what we learn in just a couple panels, which is that Mikado's go into the U.S. to continue to be his PR rep. He doesn't have to be good with words right. <laughs> so long as she's there. You're absolutely right. But so I, his wife is teaching a nothing lesson. That's fair. Maybe she's just a bitch. Maybe <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> there is that possibility. But Mikado <laughs> explains like. I love the way that she actually phrases this. She says, well, our, was our relationship always strictly uh, professional? The answer is yes. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> like you would think the way that that's phrased that the answer would be not always. Um, but she was like, the answer is yes. Um, so she handles that. Uh, then they begin to ask um, again about, okay, well, that's one person. Who's the other person? Who's person number two? And he says, well, sorry, I can't explain that right now. And again, immediately the reporters are like, a relationship that has to be kept from the public. And so they, they're twisting this into the worst thing ever. But Mikado explains, the second individual is somebody that he would consider a hero and that he respects and just wants to kind of keep, um, because he respects this person, wants to keep them out of the limelight. And Koichi thinks that he's talking about All Might, but we know better. Um, and Koichi should know better because literally a few pages ago, Captain Celebrity was saying the exact same thing. Um, he's talking about Koichi. Um, but he looks, he 
Captain Celebrity looks at Mikado, thanks him, and says, you know, I'm really going to try to do my best without you. And she drops the bomb that she's actually taking a study abroad uh, term over in New York. So she's getting on a plane, too, um, much to the shock of everybody except for Mrs. Captain Celebrity, because they had already uh, worked the details of this out. I'm convinced that Mrs. Captain Celebrity was like Mikado. You got to come back with me. I can't handle him. (laughs) You've got to be there. I'll pay you. (laughs) What is it going to take? You know? But I, I also I would, I would not be surprised by that. I was going to say, I feel like this is pretty par for the course on, on Koichi's part. Like he's an airhead when it comes to social encounters. You know what I mean? Like he's never aware of what's going on. It feels like unless it, he's he's actively being a vigilante. Well, and that continues on into the next scene where him and Pop are hanging out in the uh, rooftop hideout. And she's explaining to, to him, you know, you could have taken some more credit Um, but he's like, you know, you're always telling me to just know my place. And she says, well, yeah, but you know, considering that you did what you did, it feels like they, they didn't credit you enough. And then he says, well, I'd be lying if I, if I said I didn't want some of the credit. (laughs) So then he says, uh, well, you could feel free to praise me now and then. And she's just like, you can't ask for it, which I thought was a pretty, a pretty funny way to kind of wrap this up. Um, then we have the, the rest of this chapter, the, the majority of the rest of this chapter is kind of, um, uh, a talk, a voiceover of future Koichi now. Usually we're talking with uh, future Midoriya, but it's future Koichi. And he's kind of reflecting on the incidents of the Tokyo Sky Egg. And uh, this has all taken place. All of the uh, vigilante stuff to this point has taken place during his first year as the crawler. So we've covered approximately a year, I would guess, um, of actual time um, in, in, in the settings of vigilante. Um, but he says, you know, it was a big deal that made headlines. I just happened to be there. Um, but there were people, there are pros that do that every single day. And that's that's what I thought at the time. So now he's being a little retrospective. And we get to that scene that I had mentioned earlier where the detectives are on the scene of the, the building where the two O'Clocks uh, battled. And they're finding DNA samples, one of whom they attribute to uh, uh, Iwo Guru, which is the uh, knuckle duster's actual name. But then the other one, they say the DNA sample is inconclusive. It says we've gotten unknown blood types and DNA mixed with a number of highly concentrated chemical substances. And so the, the question is, so this thing isn't human. And that's the question that we're left with at the end of this is we there. That is the question. Is it really human? And the detective is wondering aloud or wondering to himself, well, what the hell were you tangling with here? Um, and Koichi's voiceover continues, you know, ordinary, ordinary people don't find themselves in the middle of major incidents over and over, but surely I wouldn't get caught up in anything like that ever again. That was my assumption. It would still be a long time before that incident, uh, before the, the incident that would see me at its center playing the lead role. So we, we get a hint of what might be coming, uh, further down the line for Koichi, but he says, I wouldn't have uh, just find myself at that scene by accident, and I wouldn't be diving into danger by choice either. So it sounds like he gets forced into the limelight um, in a major way in the future. But he he wraps up his voiceover with this line. He says, when it happened, the danger would come at me out of nowhere, all on its own, um, which is very ominous, it a very is. ominous way uh, to, to end this particular arc, the Tokyo Sky Egg arc. And it's really exciting to know that we possibly only have 40-ish more chapters before we get there. I mean, with My Hero, it's indefinite at the moment. We don't know when that's ending. We don't know when Midoriya is going to become the number one hero. We just know he does, because that's literally in every opening of anything they include. So it's interesting to know that Koichi has some sort of big thing that's going to happen to him as well. I really love that foil that they pulled off there at the end. 
like we said earlier, we know that the next several chapters, it seems like, aren't going to progress this narrative much, if at all. It sounds like we're hitting rewind pretty hard and going back to get some um, some Aizawa flashback material. So I'm curious to see how long that runs. I mean, I'm going to be here for all of it. You know, it's Bezawa. Of course, I'm going to be reading it and loving all of it. Um, but I'm convinced I am, that's I'm, the reason we're reaching Vigilante. Someone like, you know, two years ago told, told you me. that like, hey, if you really like Aizawa, read Vigilantes. And then you were like, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not quite how it went down. But uh, I do think some folks in Discord was like, listen, if you like Aizawa, he, he plays a pretty big part in Vigilantes, yeah. especially later on. So I'm excited for that. So next time you and I sit down to record, we are going to be covering chapters 59, 60, 61, and 62, which is going to bring us to actually to the end, very neatly to the end of the eighth volume of My Heroes Vigilantes. Okay, very cool. So I thought for the segment this week, Adam, we could uh, take, take a little trip back down memory lane and revisit My Hero, uh, the movie, Heroes Rising. Um, but not to review it ourselves. I thought it might be kind of funny for me to have looked up online some some interesting reviews, we'll call them, uh, of the movie and get your reaction to them. Some of these are just one lines from the website Common Sense Media, where parents and kids are able to leave uh, reviews that are they're designed to gear parents like conscientious parents to what might be inappropriate content. Um, and then I found some just elsewhere on the internet, RottenTomatoes.com, um, and I tried to key in on, especially on ones, uh, especially later on, that were particularly negative. Um, but there are some ones that are positive that I pulled little snippets from. So uh, I thought it would just, just be fun to wrap up this episode by reading a couple of these and letting you react to them. So you ready for that? I am, but I got to say, there better be one review of someone warning that Ida is touching grannies inappropriately. There isn't. Uh, I looked for one. Uh <laughs> Well, let me just jump into these and you'll see you'll see what they are. <laughs> okay, um, let's we'll do, do these it. pretty quickly because I know that we're going a little long already. But here's here's a couple of these that were off of Common Sense Media. Um, one person said, and this was, had to have been a kid, uh, he wrote, My mom said that was the happiest I've ever looked during a movie. Oh, <laughs> That's sweet. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, this is somebody who is familiar with the manga, says, As someone who loves My Hero Academia and watches the anime along with reading the manga, I can confirm that a parent who doesn't watch My Hero Academia may find this movie annoying, loud, and with too much fighting. But that's not how it is for your kids. They will most likely enjoy the movie and be really happy. And I wanted to... Like, I didn't comment on any of these because that's not who I am on the internet. But when they said, that's not how it is for your kids, I was like, no, no, like, they see all of those things. It, it is very loud and there is a lot of fighting. Um, it's just your parents are going to react to it differently than a child would, I guess, is their argument. Yeah. One person said, this movie is amazing. In Netflix, it is shown as 16 plus, but there's nothing really inappropriate. I love it. There is a character that talked about breasts, but nothing other than that. <laughs> it had to be Vanetta, right? Oh, definitely. Mineta gets a couple shout outs in the next two as well. Next one says, I believe My Hero Academia is okay with anyone 8, 9, or 10 if they have a parent to fast forward the scenes of Mineta being a pervert. <laughs> we need like a, do you remember back in the day when they there was like that chip you could put in a TV so it would block out all the inappropriate a content? V-chip? A V-chip? We need a Mineta chip. Put, put a Mineta chip in it. <laughs> it would be really funny if somebody like took the time to sit down to with like every episode of My Hero and said, okay, at timestamp 20... 20 minutes and two seconds hit fast forward until you get to 20 minutes and seven seconds. 
and you'll skip over Mineta being a perf. There used to be uh, an application like that for bathroom breaks in the middle of movies. It would tell you the time slots when like nothing was really happening and how long you had. Okay, I'm officially I'm going to make a note to do this. But like when we get back into the anime, I'm going to do that for people. Oh, you're too kind. Not for bathroom breaks, for Mineta. For Mineta. Like, all right, if you want to skip over Mineta, here's where you do it. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, the next one says, for parents, you really only have two characters to worry about your child seeing. Mineta. And who do you think the other one is? Momo? No. Although that's a good guess. Bakugo. What? Really? He's, because he swears. Because he probably. swears. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, 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 I was going down the thought of like too much nudity or something, you know. Too much skins. Yeah. Uh, nope. They said Mineta and Bakugo, but just because Bakugo is overly aggressive and swears. That's I'm pretty sure that's all that it was. Okay. All right. This next person made a claim that I would care. I, I'm going to take just a second to refute here on the podcast. <laughs> he says the villain is all, why won't you weaklings die already? Classic villain trash talk. And I was like, uh, actually, Bakugo is the one who's constantly yelling "die already" in that movie. Yeah, you're right. So, to be fair, if it, he is actually accomplishing that, though. That's true. I mean, he does rock that one mummy guy pretty good. Yeah. What happened to him? I I, I, I think he's still in custody <laughs> or dead on that. But he also says this. He, he said, and there's a smattering of profanity mixed in with the epic fights to let us know how adult this all is. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. That's funny. All right, this next one's just a headline that made me laugh out loud. It said, I should have, I should have quoted, uh, credited the website, uh, but you can Google it if you want to f- figure out where this came from. It says, My Hero Academia, colon, Heroes Rising, aims for plus ultra, land squarely at just okay. <laughs> Dang, that's brutal. That's, that's, that's really harsh. <laughs> it was really funny the way that they worded it, though. It is funny. Just okay. <laughs> All right, so this next one I thought was really funny, and I want us to think about this for the future, like especially the next My Hero movie or any anime movie ever, if if this is actually a pattern that I've just completely missed. But he says, this movie was like every anime movie. A bad guy gets chased from the good guys. The bad guy looks at the city. The heroes are somewhere. There is a kid who hates the heroes and so on. And so I liked the show, but the movie changed me. So two things about this. Is that really like a pattern? Especially the part that's oddly specific. The bad guy looks at the city. I feel like that's <laughs> I like, a trope. What? That's a trope. <laughs> and then the, the heroes are somewhere where there's a kid who hates the heroes. That's got to be like, a dang. That's a trope, too, for sure. It's just really funny that he's just like, eh, it's, it's every anime movie. But then my favorite part about that is he says, the movie changed me. Yeah, that's, like, that's really complex. How? how? <laughs> show me where the movie touched you. Um, <laughs> My last one, this this was just really funny, and this was literally the entire review. I think this one came off of Rotten Tomatoes. It's a one-star review, and it just said, My roommate watches too much anime, therefore I hate anime. <laughs> what? Did that they was, even watch that was the, the movie? I have no idea, but that was the entire <laughs> review. That's crazy. My roommate watches too much anime, therefore I hate anime. Um, poster, uh, if, if you're listening to the AMP, this is a discussion that you shouldn't be posting on, you know, as a anonymous review on Rotten Tomatoes. It sounds like a conversation you need to have in real life. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Get up, go get him, buddy. Go, go tell your friend that. Well, for next week, uh, how about we come up with some sort of uh, combination of quirks? Like you take two individuals, combine their quirks in a cool combo move. It can be pretty much any individual for my hero at this point, right? Like, let's just cool come up with one cool combo move and okay, uh, we'll both I'm... present it. 
Okay, I'm fine with that. Let's let's be specific. So any combination, hero, villain, teacher, student, different classes, everything's on the board, right? Sure. Okay. And we're only doing one because if this is a cool segment, then we might do it more than once. Let's invite the folks on Twitter and Discord to do this as well with the same condition. Yes. Like, just bring one. Don't flood our inboxes with a thousand moves. Like, if you want to design that many and then participate in each one going forward, that'd be awesome. Um, but let's just, if you've got an idea for a sick combo move, uh, let's 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 get from you um, who the combo move involves. Can involve more than one person, but two would be, that, that, that keeps it simple enough. Um, and bonus points if you can name it. That would be fun too. Yeah, well, the, it has to be named because has to be combo named. moves don't happen unless someone says the name. That's right. So who who is involved in the move? What is involved in the move? Like how is it executed? What's the name? That's what we're looking for next week or next next time we record. So you've got basically two calendar weeks to get those into us either on Twitter or the Discord. And that sounds like fun. Don't be a Mineta. Keep it clean. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can involve Mineta. Yeah, you can in involve fact, Mineta, I, but I kind of have one in in mind for Mineta. I'll see if I can tidy it up a little bit. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. <laughs> now you've got me wondering. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for episode 66 of Almighty Podcast. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm looking forward to young Aizawa. Um, me so... too. That's going to be cool. Oh, and by the way, uh, I don't think I've said anything on this podcast. I'm in other podcasts, but Wednesday nights, I stream Dark Souls now. So if you guys want to come hang out and uh, talk anime, whatever, we'll hang out on Wednesday nights around 8 p.m. Eastern. I normally start streaming. Uh, so we're, we're I need doing to get in on one of those. Dude, it's fun. Uh, Not to play, but just to make fun of you dying over and over again. Hey, if you ever just want to come hang out on a stream, we'll do it together. Uh, Wes and I did one a couple weeks ago, and it was a lot of fun. So if you just want to hop in Discord, you and I can hang out, and we'll talk and game, and other people can interact with us via the Twitch chat. So it'd be fun. Sounds great. But that's on uh, Twitch TV. I think it's twitch.tv slash backpatio.net. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll try to drop in on one of those soon. That'd be fun. Otherwise, I think we'll see everyone in two weeks. All right, see you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 